even how to switch the sound card or like know which yeah. mic to look at. And it's like, you, you record music on your computer. Shouldn't you know that? Yeah. You're listening to the Music Manumet podcast for October 8th, 2017. Learn more at musicmanumet.com. Hi, and welcome to another Music Manumet. I am Tom, and on today's show, I am talking with Paul from Dust Motes. We talk about how he got started, his transition from being in an actual instrument band to creating and making his own music on the computer and releasing it, and how he got involved in Creative Commons. So here is my interview with Dust Motes, starting right now. So where are you located right now? Um, so just outside London to the northeast, um, about an hour or so. So as you head uh, north, you look at London's northeast. Um, there's a there's a place called Essex, which is um, it gradually goes from city and boroughs from London to gradually more countryside. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty much in the countryside. <laughs> so farmland behind me. There's sort of like satellite commuter estates kind of stuff around there but it's quite it's quite nice it's very green lots of fields lots of trees yeah you know that kind of thing it's pretty quiet although we do plan to build you know a million more homes in the next sort of 100 years or so so this will be concrete jungle i imagine it's good to have a plan so so they're actively going this is what we want to do for the next 100 years Absolutely, yeah. There's too many. There's, there's lots of people that need houses, which is is fair enough. But yeah, it is beautiful around here. It'd be a shame to lose a lot of this countryside. I, Have you ever heard of the the artist Constable? Have you ever heard of that? No. So there's lots of famous landscapes from the uh, from the past. That's that's kind of this what this looks like. Really, round here it's yeah, it's like your your traditional kind of British kind of countryside. Okay. It's, it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah, I've talked to so many musicians from uh, from the UK, and yeah. they always explain it to me, and it sounds great. And I'm like, why? Why have I never been there? You know, it's my my only interaction with it at all is like the different shows I've seen, and the only time you really see the countryside is on like shows like Midsummer's Murders or or something like that. That's yeah. the only time you see the 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 countryside. Or or wait, Broadchurch was in Ireland. Never mind. Great. Now I'm just thinking of now. Now I'm, so you, you in, are you I'm, in the city or are you, uh, are you I, outside? I'm in the city of it, as much as you can call it that of Madison in Wisconsin. So I'm like oh, right Wisconsin, in the right. we we call it the heartland of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't yeah. know why. Um, we also call it the Midwest, even though it doesn't seem that way to me. But whatever. Uh, but yeah. So I'm in, I'm in uh, a. What where most of the dairy comes from? Like we're known for the Packers and cheese, and where have you ever seen the pictures of football fans that wear big wedges of cheese on their head? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's where that's that's what we're known for, and I'm super happy about that. Uh, yeah, that's that's a quite a, that's quite an interesting one to have. It's like there's a place up north here where they're they're famous for uh, rolling cheese down hills and running after it. I think know? I think I know like, about that. Well, why? But yeah, yeah, you gotta have something, I guess. I suppose you got it's something to just you know the the tediousness of life. You gotta you gotta have something to get some levity. So <laughs> so yeah. l- let me ask you about the the name first of all, Dust Motes. Yeah. So Dust wait, Motes, yeah. Now, first of all, I thought it was gonna be Dust Notes, 
which that seems like a horrible could be better yeah. go back in time and I'll take that yeah. and change it but what, how Why did not? you come up with, with uh, dust motes well I was trying to trying to originally come up with a you know some kind of inspiration to, to this stuff that was coming out um, and I, I kept going back to, to childhood images and images of you know I grew up in the late 70s and 80s and the one thing that kept recurring was was just sitting in my parents' house. Um, it must have been a summer during the nineteen seventies, and the sunlight streaming through the window, and then just you know seeing dust motes in the in the thing, and that hmm. that kind of image it came to me, but that had a, a kind of certain parallel with what I was trying to do at the time, which was old samples from vinyl, right, with that that gritty kind of sound. Yeah. That, you know, obviously it's dusty and it's gritty and it's that kind of thing. So th- there was a kind of connection there, um, and that just came. I, I just kind of thought, yeah, why not? It, naming things is one of those things that if you if you think about it, you're you know <laughs> you're going to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever whatever comes out, it's like naming naming albums or songs. You know, there's there's usually uh, try and grasp that kind of inspiration from out of the air and. Mm-hmm. The way it's always worked out for me is that that happens, it comes along from out of nowhere, but then there is some connection or parallel, you know, or meaning with something that, that kind of fits. So, yeah, I try not to think about it too hard, but that, yeah, I do remember that that was um, some kind of inspiration that came yeah. from I, that childhood image. And, and it's funny that it came up to you or it came to you thinking of that, thinking back on it, and also that it came later on. It's it's not yeah. that out of the ordinary, but it's one of those things like what led to that? Like what was the what was the weird like synergy type thing that made you go, oh, yeah, I remember that time. And I should call it that because it reminds me of the vinyl that I'm working with, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, it, it just happens. It's I find it with um, particularly these days um, that that kind of fake thing or things that just seem to happen. Right. It mm-hmm. it kind of there's definitely something there, but they seem to come when you don't grasp at stuff is the thing I found. It's like when you're trying to remember something that's on the tip of your tongue mm-hmm. and the harder you try of like, you know, trying to grasp the thing, the further you're pushing it away. But if you just be still, I find that it tends to, it tends to come all of on its own, you know? It's, yeah. But yeah, that was, um, that was, that was the connection there. Okay. I, I wish it was the, the, like the joke that everybody does. I wish it was as easy as the whole people will stop and go, that would be a great band name, you know, and, and it'll be something yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Why does nobody, I don't think anybody ever actually uses those, you know, like something that would be like witch poop or something like that. I don't know where you're like, that'd be a great band name. And it's like, who's actually going to use that? But uh, somebody should. Yeah. Somebody should actually write those down and actually make a band for each one of those, or at the very least, a Facebook band page, and never put out the any first music. Thing that comes into your head, it's like quick. <laughs> think of something. Two words. Bang bang. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the name of a band. Right? It's so terrible. So what? What or is? You get the sneaky ones as well, right? Where you get people that say something and then you kind of laugh about it, but someone goes, oh, and they're like, squirrel it away for later. And they're like, yeah, I'm not that. Yep. And then before you know it, he's copyrighted it. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. stolen the name of your band. Yep. And then you run into him at Madison Square Garden later and go, you stole that band name. This could be me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Led, Led Zeppelin, right? I mean, was it um, Jimmy Page, you know, from Led Zeppelin? Was uh, Then he asked Keith Moon to be the drummer in that band. And he explained the concept behind it, I think, you know. 
Oh, is that yeah, how it was? Sort of idea. Yeah, I think so. And it, it, or, or it's one of them, you know, legendary tales. But it's, right. uh, you know, he explained the idea for the music and this sort of heavy bluesy thing, but also with the quiet aspects. And um, he said, well, that won't go down like a, a lead balloon. That'll go down like a Led Zeppelin. And it's like, well, uh-huh. there's your name. You know, it's probably folklore, but it's that kind of thing. Right? Huh. Well, it's 10 times better than Yardbirds. Which is, what, which is what Jimmy Page was in right before that. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> as well as a million other people. <laughs> right, I know. If you've ever listened to like the collected thing of that, it's just like, holy crap. It's like, were they, were they just know, did they just know this many great musicians or did they really kick people out of the band that quickly? <laughs> that's a weird one, isn't it? I, I think it was known because you had Peter Green, Jeff Beck, I mean, all, like, all of those guys. They, mm-hmm. they were, yeah, like really... I don't know. Maybe I had a kind of name to it, you know, yeah. word of mouth. I know this guy. Uh-huh. Get someone else in. He's good. Yeah. Do you, do you ever play out with, or do you ever work with other musicians or are you just solo? Um, so with this dust mode stuff, it's all solo, but my, my background is in that area. So I, I learned guitar when I was about 13 and, um, growing up in school and in bands, um, we, we would play Led Zeppelin covers that oh. heavy kind of thing massively nice. into Hendrix and stuff so yeah I've always I've always been in bands these days um, we get together and play still the same guys um, that I was with when we were growing up in school right that sort of stuff um, but it's not really a regular thing okay I apologize um, apparently somebody's being arrested right next to my house police. jeez that's quite that's quite loud <laughs> i know one, one of the downfalls being in the city even with the windows closed it's like when it's that close um so so you do play uh guitar is what you're saying yeah exactly yeah not so much these days but we do we do get together and play we had a um a, we've all turned 40 in the last few years so we've had you know times where people have had 40 birthday parties and gigs and sort of reminiscing getting back together and, and blowing the cobwebs away and stuff and it's, it's good fun but that's just not where I am creatively. Um, I play guitar now, but I, I would now do it to create textures and, you know, ambient pads and that kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, standing on stage and playing massive power chords and stuff like that, which yeah. is still, it's still fun, but you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of inspiration um, for me than it did back then. Well, it's, you know? it's a different medium to write, yeah. uh, being able to actually arrange like in the room that you're in. That's it's, yeah. it's, it's just so different. I mean, you can lay down the things and then you could even have the song all mapped out and you could completely change it an hour later. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, how did you, yeah. how did you start doing that? So you going from being in a band environment to, to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was a collaborative thing. My experience of songwriting previously was, it was always collaborative. Someone would come up with an idea. The bands I were in, it was mainly jam oriented stuff. So, you know, whether it was in a Smashing Pumpkins type outfit or, or a hard rock thing, it was always, you know, jam on a riff, come up with something right. and it evolves. But um, I, I just like the freedom of um, being able to do whatever you like. And as you say, being able to just change it, which I always do. You, you start out with something and then you don't really, it, it's good to have someone to bounce stuff off, but equally it's really nice to just, you know what, I'm just going to, completely change this and do whatever you like you don't even think about it mm-hmm. so there's no compromise involved you know in that in that sort of aspect where you're working within a framework which i like as well i mean i've, I've worked with with musicians doing doing this stuff and um the collaborations there you know i've worked with people that 
can you add vocals to this or can you do that? Yeah. And even then, it, it's a little bit more of a kind of, you know, well, how about this? Or why don't you do this rather than, you know, I own this thing and this is how it's yeah. going to go. And, you know, the dictating the thing. So, yeah. You don't send yeah, them the I, charts I and go it. and go, I want you to sing exactly yeah. this. You're saying like, Hey, yeah. come up with something cool here. I think it needs some vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know you wanted me to do this, but you know, here's what I've done instead. You're like, oh, okay, right. Um, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's great anyway. I mean, as long as, as, long as it's, um, you know, it, it, it always turns out how it turns out, which is great. But, no, I like it. The, the creative freedom of, of just being able to express whatever you feel at that moment. There's, and there's no, there's no kind of break in that flow mm-hmm. is the main thing I've found. Um, it's, you know, it's much more synergy and just being able to get out what you're feeling. There's no time. There's really little time between the initial inspiration and being able to actually capture that, which I think is a great thing of having your own studio and, and the technology these days to be able to just capture it and uh you know go go crazy with it how did you start capturing it like what was what was your introduction into going Ooh, this might be the way i want to go or this might be how i want to do it like you, you got to start yeah. somewhere you don't just like sit down and go i know how to do all this stuff now yeah <laughs> absolutely it, it took me a long time i mean this stuff i was primarily influenced by um the early dj shadow stuff you know, the introducing preemptive strikes. So, I mean, I, I remember listening to that in the 90s and just loving the atmosphere of that, loving the, the, the beats and the sounds, but um, more the sort of textures of, and the message as well behind it. So I remember wanting to be able to to do something like that, never really being able to figure out how, but um, I started on Ableton Live. Okay. So... How long ago? So this is it's going back over 10 years now. Okay. Um, so prior to that, I probably experimented with samplers and stuff like that, but I never really got it. I never really felt I could come up with anything other than just, you know, it's like a dicking about with something and then just nothing coming of it. So I think Ableton was the, the gateway into that um, where, you, you know, you could just sort of get stuff going very quickly and um, actually come up with something that was cohesive that, that sounded good. Um, I'm in the process of replacing all of that at the moment, which is, which is another story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's where that's where it started for me. Um, just you know, I, I think that the way that the software and the the whole recording environment, the technology evolved during that period um, was just massively different. You know, I remember seeing people with Atari STs and old you know Cubase mm-hmm. and these linear things, and that was. I probably tried to capture some stuff along a linear kind of um, digital audio workstation environment, but never really got it. But I think seeing things in a grid, Ableton, being able to sort of jam stuff, um, that was a good good point for me. Just how easy it was to to sample stuff, right? You can just, you know, here's something from, um, you know, an old tape or a record or whatever, just some crate, just throw it in and just get stuff going. So do you mainly work with samples or do you uh, start out with instruments or how, how would you, how would you, what would you say is more the direction you, you write or the, the tools you use when writing? It's also, yeah, it usually starts with um, some kind of loop um, back in the day. So the, the, the initial stuff I did, I had the same, the same goal as um, say something like introducing, which was hundred percent sample based. So, being able to just capture stuff off of vinyl it's got a certain quality to it to yeah. sound but it, it usually starts with um 
the main hook or the line for me. Oh. Uh, it's very it's very rarely drums first, that kind of thing. I, I tend to kind of come up with something that catches my attention, you know, so there's there's a loop that's going on that's got a certain quality to it or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where it starts for me. Um, so you skip in through a record and you, you might hear something that, that uh, catches your attention. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And um, usually pitch it down. I love the old tricks of playing stuff at 45 and yeah. you know, slowing it down, pitching it down. So, and that was the goal really to just, um, you know, Ableton, you can record something, four bars, just playing exactly as you captured it, right? And it's just, it's completely meaningless. So to mm -hmm. be able to sort of take something and decontextualize it just completely to turn it into something else, that was that's really the main goal with all that sort of thing. So you might hear something you like, but being able to put it in and get a loop going, it, it always had to have something more than just loop in the thing. Right. So yeah, yeah something, something um, fundamentally changed about it, which is, is ironically how I got involved in creative commons. Um, really? I started doing, yeah, I started doing this stuff. And the first thing I got after putting out a couple of tracks, um, well, I was just chatting to this small label in, in Los Angeles somewhere. Okay. And um, this guy sent me the stuff. And then before signing a, a contract or anything like that, I got the, uh, the sample clearance form. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was that was really interesting for me to list all of the samples that you've used on this thing and then, you know, go and get clearance. I mean, it was just, you know, insane. Yeah. And ultimately, a uh, kind of... Um, you know, waste of time yeah. um, as far as that went. So, yeah, I, I, it was exactly at the same time that I met some guys in Creative Commons and they were just doing their thing. Um, Who did you meet? Just, um, it was actually, there was a label back then called Public Spaces Lab. That sounds um, familiar. They're, yeah, they, they're no longer going. They, they traditionally were more ambient um, kind, of, kind of thing, but they were big into that, that space, just the just freak you know just it's all about the, the art you know yeah um, everything else that, that, that comes out of that you can't use this or you've got to you've got to have this or we make sure we do this before all of those rules were um barriers to to entry to that kind of thing which i didn't really care about I didn't really, from a commercial perspective or whatever none of that really meant anything so okay to to meet um those guys that were just primarily interested in that um and more than that, it was more of a, you know, it's a big community there, right? I mean, the, the size, the amount of the amount of artists and labels and um, people that were around in that place was just, just phenomenal. So it was, you know, it was meant to be. You know, I mean, I, I can imagine you go down the other route of trying to appease the sort of commercial legal aspect of stuff, but you end up in a completely different place than I'd, I'd be right now. So, okay. so I'm grateful for that, I think. So do you, because of that, are you using the non-commercial license i guess i just realized mm. i didn't look to see what license you were using yeah 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 it is <laughs> um i mean all my stuff's on dusty wax kingdom it was the um the for the last few years when i've been and that's all um non-commercial okay there it is um, i didn't see the dusted so, wax i'm pulling that up right now yeah dustedwax.org is um is, is the resource for that um yeah so that, that all uses the same same license how did you how did you hook up with dusted wax 
That's a good question. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I hope it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an excellent question as he struggles to remember. Um, no, it would have been, again, through community, um, I think. Because I was a little bit different on, on the public spaces stuff. I was the only um, guy doing that kind of thing. The other artists there were, you know, there was some house stuff, but so it was primarily ambient um sort of stuff so my my stuff was very different and okay attracted attention of other people and then you know you see on, on twitter via social media around that time um twitter was was um <laughs> it's gonna say useful back then um, <laughs> it, it, it was easy to actually engage with people and discover like-minded people yeah. on Twitter back then. No, I, you know, I remember. Was, yeah, I was one of the early adopters yeah. of it too. And I remember when it was actually like, it was like public messaging. And now yeah. it's just like public ranting and links, you know? Yeah. I, I don't really, I don't really, I, I kind of put links and stuff up, but I mean, I, I opened Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying there's, there's no conversation there anymore. You know? No, exactly. Yeah. There's no engagement whatsoever. No. I tend to put stuff out here and it's like, you might get, some interactions but it's just it disappears in the stream and then and then you know it, it's there is no interaction there and that was the key thing back in those days i mean a lot of the the people that i've formed a relationship with musically and all that came via that yeah. that early kind of introduction to twitter so that was um it was great for that but i mean i think if you were starting out now i don't know i mean you, you would you would find your way but i imagine it's um it just doesn't feel like I get anything out of that anymore. No, no. Yeah. yeah. It's it, when it started, I loved the idea of it being called micro blogging, you know, because people all wanted to start a blog around that time, but nobody wanted to, or could figure out like, well, I just write about what I'm thinking. What? You know? It, yeah. And, and it was too much for them. It was like writing a term paper, but then you do Twitter and it's like, Oh, you can only do 140 yeah. characters, which, Little yeah, little was, uh, back note here. The reason it was 140 characters is because when it started, it was originally text message based, and you can only yeah, do that many right. characters before it created another message. There you go, kids. The more you know. Um, it's so, a genius idea. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's least to worry about. <laughs> yeah, but uh, now, yeah, I I want to say it all went downhill once you could start uh, when they when they first introduced the the favorite. Uh, which later yeah. turned into heart because then you didn't have to say anything. All you had to go was go, ooh, boop. People, you know, people just like that. Re retweet. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember when they brought retweets in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, manual retweets were the thing. And then you were screwed because you had to actually type RT colon space. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you're using up your characters there. Like, what do I lose? Uh, and then you're editing someone else's tweet. Or back in yeah, the, the days. Back when they actually introduced direct messages, but you could accidentally screw up having to type in DM colon. And if you forgot to <laughs> yeah. do that, you would post it publicly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it'd be quite embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, enough about the history of the internet. Uh, so, so you uh, did the uh, y you were working with Dusted Wax, and you said you got uh, into Creative Commons because of the sampling. So, have you used uh, Creative Commons samples in your stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think is it Free Sounds? Um, yeah, that's what I, I was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free Sound. I, I was a, a big supporter of. Um, not so much these days. These days, I'm pretty much creating everything. I'm creating my own samples. Uh, we we can get 
get to that in a bit, but yeah, yeah, free free sound was a big one, um, and it was just a vast you know expanse of stuff that you could use, and I just just random stuff. I love that whatever comes up, it's um, it's like digging in a record shop, and you, you know you can't go yeah. through everything, right? But you're just like, well, I'll pick that out, and I'll pick that out, and then you know just sort of see what see what works. I've based entire songs on just some going down the rabbit hole of free, uh, freesound.org. Like I'll find something, I'll be like, holy shit, that's really cool. And it gives me an idea. And then you just run with it. Yeah. I know what you mean, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I use it for a lot. I mean, probably not used it in a while. I might actually get back, get back to that actually. But, um, it's to have resources like that is, is invaluable. Yeah. Um, You know, these days people are, buying sample packs and stuff and this this stuff sounds great but it's like it's kind of already there it's like yeah there's no raw ingredients there which which i don't like or you, um, which or is why you, yeah you get this samples. you get the sample packs too and they're like underwhelming it's like you pay yeah. for it you don't know what's really in it they show you some stuff you get them and then it's like oh that's all that's in there how am i supposed mm. to make anything with this and they, they don't really kind of give you the um the capability of a lot of what these machines can do mm-hmm. as well I, I found with um i've got um a keyboard here the the electron stuff the analog stuff and the, the presets on that are terrible mm-hmm. you know absolutely it's like you kind of play it and you kind of well if i listen to that i probably never would have bought it but i mean you can make some amazing things on it but again you're you know you're, you're creating what you want to create right not kind of yeah yeah i think i think you learn a lot about um the craft as well like making a kick drum making uh making oh you go that far into it yeah i can do um i I like um i like the challenges okay Um, singles as you say one sample make an entire song out of that i love all that stuff yeah i wouldn't release anything like it but um (laughs) do you know the um oh like the disquiet uh junto group yeah the disquiet guys yeah those those kind of challenges right where you you kind of have to create something from Here's a sample of um, some ice cubes rattling around and <laughs> create a song out of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that stuff's yeah, really I cool. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Right. I don't participate all the time, but when I do, um, I love doing that. It's really good fun. Okay. And what kind of, uh, so you've put out a bunch of stuff and what kind of success have you had releasing your stuff under Creative Commons? Like what interesting yeah. things have happened to you? Quite a lot, really. Um, yeah. God, I mean, yeah, loads of um, loads of offers of you know this stuff that have been used on uh, films, oh, documentaries, cool. you know, soundtracks. Yeah, stuff like that. Lots of people just wanting to use um, bits and pieces in their own videos. You know, whether it's um, you know, YouTube bloggers or, or just um, stuff like that. But the films have been the best ones. Um, I can't remember the titles of them right now, God. But there's there's some really good documentaries. Um, Largely in the US, these these people have okay. found me via um, Free Music Archive, I think, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah which is a weird one. Well, that's that's a big place for uh, people that make films. That's where they find a lot of the music that they're going to use. That would explain that. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the kind of the figures you get, so if you release something on, you know, it gets put out on Dusty Wax it's going to archive.org and you know you've had like 5000 plays or whatever but on the free music archive one i mean there's there's things over there that it's like 70000 and you kind of think 
<laughs> who are these people? Yeah, I know the the um, the numbers on the site. Different. The numbers on the site. When you look at how many plays, you're just like uh, clearly the traffic that they get uh, already yeah. attributes to that. But you look at those numbers and you're like, who, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah it'd be, it'd be interesting to know but uh, yeah back on the back of that though it's been uh, a lot of stuff say loads of charities as well there's been oh, cool. quite a lot of um quite a lot of charities i remember working with um you know the arts and crafts type ones and there was uh surf based ones down down in the cornwall in uk and people just wanted to use your stuff you know and um and when you see the end product it fits really well you know that, that's the pleasing thing is that it it, it turns into something else which is really nice so there's a so that very organic flow of you know something that you've just created and then it, it turns into to something else and if it's supporting something else that's it's great i yeah. love i love seeing that, that that realized um but yeah soundtracks would be good i, I, I would definitely like to do that as a um you know a, a bigger thing I've, i did score one film years ago actually before really before i do this yeah i was just that's just come back to me now there's a friend of mine that's um he, he did an indie film and um, he was asking for some music. This was before the dust mode stuff. So I had no real technical capability of doing stuff. So I think I ended up recording like acoustic stuff to tape and then just sort of magically getting it in sync with the, uh, which was quite fun. Um, but that, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So doing that kind of work. Yeah. How does one go about scoring a film? I mean, it's one of those things where you, where you kind of go, uh, I could be Danny Elfman and suddenly I have a whole new career, but it's, you get, it's, yeah. you don't just walk up and go, okay, I'll score this thing. You know, I had, yeah. how did, how did you even approach that? Yeah. I've no, I've no idea how you kind of get into the, um, who's a guy, Junkie XL, isn't he? So he used to be, um, the guy that did some remix stuff and he ends up in, uh, Hans Zimmer's, uh, school of, of people, i.e. who you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> who always seems to be the same three people, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, oh look, Blade Runner, oh there's Hans Zimmer as well, great, uh, I mean, that, that sounds great by the way, I'm not, I'm not arguing with that, so, yeah. yeah, are you looking forward to the new Blade Runner just on a complete tangent? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's going to be amazing, well, what's really surprised me is, is just the reviews, um, yeah, they're off the chart, right, everyone I've seen is just like, that is, I'm just speechless. People are saying speechless. Everything is five stars or ten out of ten, and it's like Jesus Christ, this better be good. I know, right? And the fun, um, well, the funniest part too, being like uh, that the actual Blade Runner was supposedly uh, had taken. What it took, it's supposed to have taken place like only three years from now. The original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love 20, that. 2019 or something. Yeah. <laughs> No flying cars yet. No. no, not even close. We don't even have the big like, Trump as president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, la laugh all you want, guy in the other country. <laughs> you don't have to live here. <laughs> it's a kind of it's a, it's kind of a dystopia, but it's not it's not really the same one you had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> or no, I'm, or I'm, is I'm it? Really about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I'm taking my wife though, so we will see. It's one of those things. It's like, well, yeah. Do you really want to go and see it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how that goes. And then, what kind of? Uh, so you have you you have stuff out right now. Is there anything in the works that you've been you've been working on that's coming up, or do you just kind of play everything by ear? Yeah. No. I. I this this time it's quite different. I've um 
I've completely changed tact. So I've, I've gone all hardware. Um, oh. So everything, I mean, I, I used to use NPCs as well, things like that. Nice. Sketching out ideas. And then I would always struggle with, I loved how it sounded, but I could never translate that into a song. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, I've got to get this into Ableton. And that was such a pain in the ass that it's like, just do it in Ableton anyway, right? It's yeah. kind of, it's similar, but um, and the computer stuff has evolved with the MIDI, the MIDI controllers and stuff. I'm not looking at the computer, but you're kind of using the computer. But um, no, I, I, I discovered the um, the Electron stuff, so the the Octatrack. Oh, and um, it just com- it's just completely changed everything. I always struggled with live performance, so how would I take these things and right. perform them live, right? And you can kind of do things in Ableton and that, but it never feels I never really felt a connection with what I was doing. It's just like you're, you're disconnected from it somehow. But the the electron stuff is just another thing entirely. I mean, it just uh, it flows so well, but yet you're able to create something new each time. So, huh. so I've spent a year kind of learning all of that. Um, say mainly creating my own samples as opposed to uh, <laughs> sampling everyone else. Um, although there's quite a bit of that too. Right. Um, so now I've got a year's worth of of stuff that I've got to pull together, um, which is going to be interesting as well and making it cohesive. So I have sketches, um, and it does, it does, um, it sounds slightly different. Yeah. It's certainly more, um, I'd say balls of Canada type sounding, which, which I've been more influenced by lately than, than, um, I was sort of back in the day when they were, they were kind of out and about. Well, um, the one thing uh, you were mentioning and you just finally started making your own samples. The other thing is um, even though it's a pain to do, it's, it's probably the same, if not less the amount of time trying to find or manipulate the perfect sample that you yeah. want to create, you know, and it's like, ah, just make it yourself, you know, do yeah. that. But did you discover if you were able, it sounds like you were trying to make it so that you could possibly do the stuff live. Are you able to do the yeah. stuff live? Yeah, I, now I am absolutely. Um, with really, the track. I can. Um, yeah, and it, it's just enough interesting, such that you're not linearly recreating stuff with a few slight tweaks of effects and stuff. Um, I would like it to be such that you don't really know what's going to come out. You know, you kind of know what the parts are, but you're going to get something that's quite different um, each time you do it, which which is the point. Um, yeah, so I, I do hope to actually do that at some point because i've not been um very active in doing that over the past few years so uh, what what is the process of doing that like at what at what point is it performing it as opposed to just go you know walking on stage with a laptop and just playing the song and like yeah. going well, this is it you know, so. yeah exactly how much do you prepare how much is yeah how much of a risk is it you know you're, you're still um, probably coming on with like pre-sequence stuff but um bringing just being able to bring stuff in and out well what i found with these machines is that you can you can just get to other places you couldn't with uh with the software yeah um you know especially something nuts like the octatrack which it's it's kind of like a, a black hole um you know you're sampling what you're doing and you're resampling that so you can kind of you can kind of get all to like really weird kind of places like live Relooping and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you can be playing stuff, but then you're you're really you're able to modulate and change so much um, on the fly that it, it feels you lose yourself in it, which um, is something I've never 
never really got with a computer. Well, and also with uh, kind of going back to what you started out, uh, what we started out talking about um, when you play live, you could even bring somebody up on stage for say like, oh, there's a guitar bit on this song and then just have the yeah. person come up for one thing. And that's kind of entertaining as well. So there's always yeah. that possibility when doing something live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and live, live resampling, I think of that is, is a good one. I mean, I think if you had had all this gear, um, you could be doing it live, playing stuff, sampling what you're doing, and then you know, like it's kind of like a live looping um, kind of kind of way. So you're yeah. you're kind of recreating from scratch. Yeah, I find that that interesting. Yeah. That's um, yeah, rather than just pushing a button and <laughs> right morphing between patterns and stuff. I and mean, it's yeah, mm, yeah, not that interesting. Or as or as a guest we had on a long time ago, Professor Click used to say he doesn't want to look like he's just checking his email on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and now exactly, yeah. Just press play and just stand there and look uh, look cool. Did oh. you ever see that video of the uh, the young guys doing the um, the DJing and they're like twiddling the knobs and someone zoomed in and you can actually see what it. They're not actually touching anything. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> if, see if you can find it. I mean, so they're dancing and doing the show, and they're like chatting to each other, having a great time, and they look like you know EQing and doing stuff. But then they zoom in, and they're not actually touching anything. That's I love that. <laughs> it I, was yeah, I could do that. Uh, Pay me tons of money to do that. I'll just turn on my stereo. Yeah. <laughs> or my yeah. stereo. Oh my God. How old am I? I turn on my laptop is what I meant to say. <laughs> Not my stereo. I'll bring my boom box. Um, oh, boom box. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking. Oh man. So is there, um, is there anything else that you have coming up or any other projects or things like that you'd like to, uh, tell people about that maybe we didn't talk about today? Well, I mean, so if you want to hear the some of the newer stuff, which um, is a little bit more ambient, I've, I've started um, a YouTube channel, um, so oh. Duff Smoke's uh, official on YouTube. Um, that's certainly that's something that's um, going in the direction of what I'm trying to piece together now. So there are some examples there with some <laughs> crazy 1970s public information film footage with um, awesome. a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So if you like, yeah, if you like the the balls of Canada type of thing um and and it's certainly more yeah it's got that ambient kind of uh side to it synthy that's the direction i'm going so cool that's um yeah i think that's a kind of precursor to what will come um when i'm finally able to to kind of get this in a slightly more organized structure yeah and then the uh the song i want to play out today is the title track of the plain songs album although technically it's yeah, not yeah. the title track because it's called plain song but the album it's, is called plain songs the plural yeah exactly <laughs> which was probably a typo but it fits right again i like it <laughs> yeah but yeah that's a good one that's um the, the idea behind that being plain song was um again you know, kind of the idea was just to strip it back to i was getting quite overblown in production um, adding stuff and it was getting quite elaborate i just wanted to, to just bring it back to um you know the core thing again these all started out on the mpc as hardware and then into the computer but um trying to keep it as plain as possible yeah um yeah yeah sometimes it's just too easy to add too much stuff yeah it's it's harder to, to take the stuff away that's <laughs> but what's what's not there is more important than what is there for sure that's yeah. uh, that's the key thing but it's it it just takes time to learn that <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sometimes you got to strip it for parts. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. It was great meeting you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good, mate. Thank you very much for having me. And this is the song Plain Song. And this has been another Music Manumet podcast at musicmanumet.com. Mm-hmm.